hello, it's crystal clear. You're listening to more Morgulons. Um, I still have them. Yep, that's right. I have never gone back and read the press briefing that the CDC gave when it announced it was doing its study on Morgulons disease. And boy, if I wasn't fully aware before of how much of a joke and possibly a cover-up this study was I am now. I'm fully aware now, and you are about to be as well. This is so damn frustrating if you have Morgulons to listen to this ridiculousness. And perhaps even if you don't have Morgulons, although if you don't have Morgulons, I'm not sure why you're here. Thanks for coming by, though. Love to have you. Stick around. It's going to be fun. Um, if you're into righteous indignation, ugh, no, it's not like that. It's, well, it's a little bit like that, but it's mostly not like that. Um, yeah, anyway, it's fucking infuriating to hear these people basically tap dance and bullshit the way that they've done since this other worldwide uh, pandemic broke out called COVID. Oh, and monkeypox. And I don't know. I haven't read the news in the last couple of days. I'm not sure what else um, the Russians and Chinese have unleashed on us, but uh, it all started with Morgulons. No, I'm just kidding. But my story started with Morgulons, and it keeps going and going. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's visit the press briefing transcripts from the year 2008, January 16th, to be exact. The press briefing transcripts from the CDC when they decided to launch, not decided, when they were forced to launch study on unexplained illness. January 16th, 2008, 2 p.m. Moderator Dave Daigle Thank you, Laura, and welcome, everyone. I'm Dave Daigle with CDC's Press Office. Today, we are announcing that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is in conjunction with Kaiser Permanente's Northern California Division of Research is launching a study to learn more about an unexplained skin condition known as Morgellons, as Morgellons, as Morgellons, but most popularly as Morgellons. This is a briefing for the working media. And we certainly understand that there are a lot of folks out there with questions, but we're going to limit questions today to the working media. What about the out-of-work media? Joining us today are Dr. Michelle Pearson, who is the principal investigator for the CDC, and Dr. Joe Selby, who is the director of the Kaiser Permanente's Northern California Division of Research. Drs. Pearson and Selby will provide short opening statements before we move to your questions. We'd ask you to minimize follow-up questions until we can ensure everyone gets a shot at asking a question. And with that, I introduce Dr. Pearson. Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon. I'd like to begin by providing some background on this condition. Over the past year or so, the CDC has received an increased number of inquiries regarding an unexplained condition which some refer to as Morgulons. (laughs) 
Persons who suffer from this condition report a range of dermatologic symptoms, such as skin rashes and sores associated with abnormal skin sensations, such as crawling, biting, and stinging sensations in the presence of, dun, 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 this is the most important part, thread, fibers, other foreign material on or beneath the skin. In addition to these skin manifestations, many sufferers also report fatigue, mental confusion, memory loss, joint pain, and changes in vision. Also, I'd like to report feeling like I'm going fucking crazy, but no, I'm not. And thus going much crazier. Um, to date, the cause of this condition is unknown, and there is insufficient information to determine whether persons who identify themselves as having this condition having, have a common cause for their symptoms or may share common risk factors. What is clear, however, is that those who suffer from this condition as well as their family members and physicians who provide care to them have questions, and we want to help them find meaningful answers. To assist in learning about this condition, CDC is conducting an investigation in collaboration with Kaiser Permanente's Northern California Division of Research and the U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. The primary goals of this study are to learn more about who may be affected with this condition, the symptoms they experience, and to look for clues about factors that might contribute to the condition. We believe that the suffering that many people associate with this condition is best addressed by a careful, objective, scientific analysis. Our study will aim to better define the clinical and epidemiologic features of this condition. We also will assess the histopathology of this condition based on skin biopsies from affected persons. Yeah, there were like 12 of them. We will attempt to characterize any form materials such as fibers or threads obtained from persons who are enrolled in the study. Um, describe the geographic distribution of the condition in the Northern California area and generate estimates about how common this illness among the study how common this 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 thing transcript is full of so many typos we had no idea how sloppy the cdc was back in 2008 now we now we know um and generate estimates about how common this illness among the study population in the first part of this investigation we will identify and recruit persons who are eligible for the study and obtained detailed information on their symptoms and possible factors that may predispose them to these symptoms in the second part of the investigations our participants will undergo detailed clinical evaluations which will include a general medical examination a dermatologic examination a mental health examination skin biopsies and multiple blood tests we certainly understand that these are those who are affected by that these are those who are affected by this condition are very anxious for answers, but we estimate that it could take 12 months or longer to complete this investigation. Why? It took them six months to figure out what Legionnaires was. <sighs> Thank you, Dr. Pearson. And now the director of Kaiser Permanente's Northern California Division of Research, Dr. Joe Selby. Thanks, Dave, and thanks to all of you who have joined us today. I would like to say first a few words about why Kaiser Permanente's Division of Research here in Northern California is delighted to be participating in this groundbreaking study. Even though the only clinical site that this research was conducted was, was, was in Oakland, um, we recognize that we here at Kaiser Permanente are uniquely positioned to assist the CDC with the study for several reasons. First, we serve a very large representative population of members in an area with one of the highest self-reported rates of this condition in the United States. Well, that's interesting because that's already a biased study right there if you're only looking at insured people. This is in 2008, you guys. I don't believe Obamacare had occurred yet. 
there was no, you could have a pre-existing condition and not be able to be insured. So, yeah, I don't think this was a great uh, random sample, but anywho. Um, we have an experienced research unit that can effectively identify members who have this condition, recruit and survey those members who are interested in participating. And we have clinical research facilities, facilities, but they only use one, in which the clinical exams Dr. Pearson described can be performed, specimens collected and transported to the CDC and to the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. Our, why would they be sending them across? I don't even, they didn't do any crazy test. Our study will proceed in three stages, starting almost immediately. In this first stage, we will identify all members who may have seen a Kaiser Permanente physician with symptoms suggestive of this condition at any point during the 18 months between July 1st, 2006 and December 31st, 2007. Why the hell they did not study the people who had reported to their public health department in the Bay Area, which was the so-called reason that prompted them to undertake this study? Um, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. You don't, you know, have the coronavirus show up in Wuhan and then go, you know, where, do you have an insurance company that we can look at their medical records for over the last 18 months? No, you go find out whether it came from the market or the lab. So they're still doing the same shoddy work now as they were doing then with their investigations. Um, there was a time when they were doing good investigations and finding the answers, but I guess those times are over. Uh... In stage two, all eligible members will be invited to complete a comprehensive web-based or telephone survey conducted by the CDC that examines the duration and severity of a variety of symptoms, reported exposures, other possible precipitating factors, emulating factors, including treatments that may have been found to help. And in stage three, those with active symptoms will be invited to come to the Division of Research for an extensive clinical examination, including collection of skin biopsies, blood, and urine samples. We recognize that many people in the United States and elsewhere are currently suffering with symptoms from the constellation that has been called Morphland Syndrome. They and their clinicians as well are very frustrated by the absence of any clear evidence of whether this is a distinct condition, what might cause it, and how it can be effectively treated. We hope that this first study provides a foundation that will begin to address these important questions. Thanks. Okay, is it a distinct condition? I don't know. Is there any other condition where people report having fibers and plants and fucking glitters and specks come out of their skin? No, there isn't. Is there any other condition like that, which I just mentioned, which also seems almost globally to begin with people believing that they have perhaps scabies or some other kind of mite? N- no. There are so many distinctive features of Morgulans. I just don't even, whether this is a distinct condition, it's definitely a distinct condition. And you would know that if you woke up one day with this bullshit going on. Um, Shit coming out of your palms, your hands, your face, these lesions erupting, itching all over. Oh my God. Thank you, Dr. Selby. Laura, do we have a reporter queued up? Thank you. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone to withdraw your request you may press star two again star one with any questions our first question comes from miriam falco cnn medical news please go ahead miriam falco hi thanks for taking the questions dr pearson i missed the top of this so i may be asking you something you already explained but number one are you even on the press release it says mystery disease and from what was just described by dr selby it still seems is this a disease or not does the cdc consider this to be a real disease 
And then number two, this is going to be done in Northern California, but are you also consulting researchers in other states who have been working on this and researching this for quite some time now? Dr. Michelle Pearson, first of all, what is very clearly to us is that there are a number of persons who are suffering the condition and the symptoms that we described. Part of the reason, in a large part, we're conducting this investigation is because we don't know what it is, and this is really an unexplained condition. So we're hoping to learn a lot about not only the constellation of symptoms, but the impact of this condition on those who are affected, as well as things that might be causing and contributing to it. So we are really at the beginning, I think, of a learning curve of what this condition is and all of this potential manifestations. In terms of our work and the formative work that's been done around designing this investigation, we have assembled here within the agency really a multidisciplinary group of experts representing various disciplines, chronic disease, environmental health, infectious disease pathology, and we've also consulted with external experts, including pathologists and representatives from the American Academy of Dermatology. We've also spoken with many members of the stakeholder organizations and those that are affected with the condition. Thank you, Laura. Do you have another question? Thank you. Our next question is from Stuart Boslow with KTVT-CBS. Stuart Boslow. Hi, doctors. Thanks for taking our questions. My first question is, what type of selection process will you go through in identifying those who are not part of the Kaiser program? This investigation, this is the doctor, is really going to be confined to persons who are members of the North Car- Cal- Northern California Health Plan. Dave Dale, Dr. Selvey, did you want to add to that? Just to confirm it and to clarify that because one of our goals is to determine the rate at which this condition is occurring, we need to know not only how many cases there are, but what is the size of the population that these cases are coming from. So we will not be able to see all cases occurring in the United States or even all cases occurring in Northern California. We will see the cases that come from the population defined by membership in Kaiser Permanente. Dave Daigle. Thank you. And thank you, Stuart. Laura, do we have another one? Thank you. Our next question comes from Rob Foreman with the CBS Early Show. Rob Foreman. Yes, a question, please, for both doctors. This has been a mystery for some length of time. What was the impetus for, for lack of a better word, finally saying Today we are moving forward. And also, as I look at the map from the Morglons Research Foundation, I see certain geographical patterns. What might they suggest to you at this early stage? Dr. Michelle Pearson, why don't I take that, Dr. Selvey? It's certainly this investigation has, I think, moved slower than any of us would have liked. We are aware that many patients have suffered from this condition, and I can tell you that here at CDC, we have really been seeing an increasing number of these reports over the last year or so. And over the last year or so, we really have been diligently working to plan a systematic and rigorous scientific investigation to look at this more critically. You're correct that based on the self-supported information that is on the Borgelons Research Foundation website would suggest that there is, for lack of a better term, certain geographic hotspots. And part of our reasons for collaborating with Kaiser Permanente in Northern California is because they are located in one such area. And their geographic location combined with their research resources and experience, their rich databases for systematically identifying patients make them really one of the reasons that the main reason we chose them to work with. Really? That makes no sense. Thank you, Rob. Laura, do we have another one? Thank you. Our next question comes from Liz Zabo, USA Today. 
Lizabo. Hi, I was wondering if you could tell me where these cases are concentrated. Are you seeing this around the world, areas of the world? Is it just the United States? And if you could tell me how many reports you've gotten at the CDC. Dr. Michelle Pearson. Well, let me just begin by saying that there is no systematic surveillance for this condition at this point. Much of what we know about this condition has been based on self-reports and is based on information that has been collected through a registry that's been established by the Morgulons Research Foundation. That registry would suggest that this is not a condition that is limited to the United States. They have at least had patients report that they are suffering from these symptoms in several countries, including Canada, several European countries, and Australia. I'm sorry, what was the other part of your question? I think that was your... So it does not appear to be limited to the United States based on the information we currently have. But again, there's not been any systematic collection of information about this condition. Um, What she asked was where they were concentrated. So he just says Canada, several European countries, and Australia. I mean, that's pretty vague. Um, It's also like, again, China's enemies. So she had asked where cases were concentrated and was it worldwide? And also how many reports they've gotten at the CDC. And he basically said, well, I don't know. We didn't count. Okay, well, maybe you should start. Uh, Thank you, Liz. Laura, next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from Helen Branswell, the Canadian Press. Helen Branswell. Hi, thanks very much. If I could follow up on, and this is a question for a little bit, are there any reports from cases coming from developing countries or sort of mid-income countries? You mentioned Canada. I know we've had people report here in Europe and Australia, but I'm wondering if sort of other socioeconomic countries might fall in. And I'm also wondering if you could clarify something about how you are going to be enrolling people. I think Dr. Selby talked about people who had already presented for care between July 1st, 2006 and December 31st, 2007. Does that mean you're not going to be recruiting people now? That if people haven't already sought care for this in that treatment group, they won't be included in the study? Dr. Michelle Pearson. Well, I'll address the question about developing countries and I'll let Dr. Selby answer the questions related to recruitment. We don't know and I'm not aware of any reports from developing countries or lesser developed countries. Dr. Selby. Dr. Selby, and I'll answer the part about identifying cases. Yes, it's true. We are estimating what's called a period prevalence rate. So what is the prevalence during a fixed period of time? And that fixed period of time is purposely so that we can get the rates calculated in a timely way and get people examined the past 18 months. That coincides with some data capacity that we are not enabled to use here. But the importance, the important aspect of this is that we need a systematic approach, approach that we can write down and define and tell the world, this is how we identify patients. It would not do, for example, to put an ad in the paper and say, everybody who thinks they may have Morgulon syndrome, please call. We would then not have a systematic sample. And there's no reason to think that if you did the same thing in Bismarck, North Dakota, I'll take a chance that you'd get the same kind of response. So that would not be a useful read. So this is period prevalence rate based on a systematic approach to the data that Kaiser Permanente has at hand. So they're saying that this is a worldwide epidemic of a new potential disease. I mean, it seems pretty fucking clear that it is a disease or a condition and it's related. It's uh, called Morgulons and when you get it, you get Morgulons. 
and sores and stuff. Um, okay, so thank you, Helen. Next question, please, Laura. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jai Ru Chong with the Los Angeles Times. Ah, Mr. Chong. Hi, I was hoping two things. One, that you could answer the previous question about how many reports you've actually received, that there are numbers on that. And then I had another question hoping that maybe you could straighten out some of the timelines for me. When was it that, I guess, patients or groups started requesting this? And then what are the actual steps that the CDC took? Because I feel like there were rumblings about starting a study in 2006 and then maybe a couple of months ago. So I was hoping to clarify that. Dr. Michelle Pearson. Okay, in terms of, as I said, this is not a condition for which there is an established surveillance system. So what I can tell you about what we have received at CDC are really inquiries related to these conditions, this condition. And essentially over the last year or so, we've received about 1,200 inquiries related to this condition. 1,200 inquiries related to this condition. What that translates to in terms of actual reports of patients is a little bit difficult to decipher. The Morgulons Research Foundation, for example, would suggest that they have in their registry some 10,000 families that have reported, self-reported that they have this condition. And importantly, one of the reasons that we are doing this fairly systematic investigation is really to try to get a better handle on quantifying how, how common this condition is in a population. In terms of the timeline, one of the first things that the CDC did was establish really a cross-agency task force in 2006 to really serve as a kind of advisory brain trust related to this investigation. Really. And at that time, you did not start collecting the data about how many reports you were receiving and where. <laughs> and as I've said previously, this is a cross-agency, multidisciplinary group to advise on sculpting a scientific investigation and protocol related to this investigation. So advisory brain trust related to this cross-agency task force. So what are the cross-agencies? There's only two agencies here. It's the armed forces which is not an agency, it's a branch of the military, and the CDC, and then there's a private company. So what the fuck is that supposed to mean? As I've said previously, this is a cross-agency, multidisciplinary group to advise on sculpting a scientific investigation and protocol related to this investigation. As I said, we realized and we all would like to have had this move faster, but what we've been doing over the last year or so is really designing a very careful, rigorous scientific protocol, and much work has been going on prior to this announcement. And what I can say now is that we are ready to start and patient recruitment will begin immediately. This is such bullshit. Thank you. Next question, Laura. Thank you. Our next question is from Will Dunham with Reuters. Will Dunham. Hi, this is Will Dunham in the Reuters Washington Bureau. Uh, Washington Bureau. Dr. Pearson, I want to follow up on, I think, the first question that you were asked. Are you now not prepared to say that you believe that this is a real medical condition? Dr. Michelle Pearson, what I can tell you is real is the suffering that these patients are experiencing. I cannot characterize this as a syndrome, as disease. I can tell you it's an unexplained illness. That clearly the suffering that these patients are experiencing is real. I've actually, as part of my preparation for taking on the scientific lead, 
uh, have actually seen not only as a scientist, but as a physician, a patient up close and personal. And I thought that was very important for me to do as part of my preparation for this. I had read about it. I had heard about it. And I talked to numerous patients over the phone, but I've actually had the opportunity to meet one of these patients firsthand. And what I can tell you is the suffering and the impact of this condition on their lives, whether you want to label it a disease or condition, and I don't, I'm not so concerned with the label, but what they're experiencing in terms of the suffering is real. And I think it's important, and this is why the agency has decided to look into this in much more depth. So if you don't consider it a disease, why are you the lead investigator to find the cause? I mean, if you've already dismissed it, why are you the head of of an investigation about it? And again, why the fuck is the armed forces involved? You know, why why the Pentagon be up in this study? Thank you. Our next question comes from Marion McKenna, Sid Rap News. Thank you so much for doing this. Dr. Pearson, you and Dr. Selby both said that you're ready to get started right away. So does that mean that you have a case definition? And if you do, could you explain for us what qualifies someone to be considered someone that's suffering from this unexplained condition? Dr. Michelle Pearson, yes, we have a working case definition. And what I can tell you that is also something during the course of this investigation we hope to be able to refine and learn more about. To be eligible for the study, in addition to having been a member of Northern California Kaiser Permanente, the patient will have to have experienced some of the features that I told you are characteristic of this condition, which is having threads or fibers or foreign material coming from their skin, either in association with sores and ulcers or abnormal skin sensations, such as pins and needle sensations, crawling sensations. And that is essentially the working case definition that we will be using for this investigation. Dr. Selby, did you want to add anything? No, she got it exactly right. Just to reemphasize the unique characteristic of the condition to date and of the case definition as is the presence of those various types of foreign material. Thank you, Marion. Next question, please, Laura. Thank you. Our next question comes from Mike Staub with the Associated Press. Hi, thanks for taking the question. Dr. Selby, are all of the patients going to go to the same place, facility? And then what city is it for the clinical evaluation? Also, is there a follow-up study in the works? And can you tell us what that will be and when that's going to happen? Okay, the first question first. The clinical examinations will be done in Oakland, California, and the budget includes money to travel patients from the Northern California region at a certain extent to it that will require some travel and some overnight stays, and we budgeted for that. We expect some people will probably come from fairly far away. And in terms of a follow-up study, that's really more a question for Dr. Pearson. I'm not aware of another one at this time, although, as Dr. Pearson has already said, it seems highly unlikely that this would be the last study. (laughs) Dr. Michelle Pearson, yes, I'll just say that we really are taking a very methodical and stepwise approach on this, and in many ways we're sort of taking two steps back and starting with the basics. There are some very fundamental questions about this condition that we don't know. For example, we don't know if this primarily affects men or women. We don't know if it primarily affects the young or the old. So there are some, well, if you know that 1,200 people have called, you haven't collected this data, even though you've been working for a year on it in the background, designing it, what kind of bullshit is this? This was never looked into. This was never looked into. Stupid answer. To define the range of symptomology associated with this condition and really hopefully give us some real good clues about where to look further. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And Laura, next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from David Templeton, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. David Templeton, yes, thanks for taking the question. The lady who started the foundation, who early named it, comes from the Pittsburgh area. And by all accounts, she went through quite a bit of an ordeal to even get this to this stage. And I'm just wondering if you have this kind of fibrous situation with your skin and these other symptoms, 
why would the medical community be so reluctant to say, I mean, they were calling it psychosomatic and there was this psychiatric problem and all of that. When you see such symptoms, why has it been so long to recognize this as a potential problem that needed to be investigated? Dr. Michelle Pearson responds, I think that I don't pretend to speak for all of the medical community, but as both a scientist and a physician, what I can say is I think that many of the providers who have seen these patients have been as challenged as the patients who are seeking care themselves. There is not textbook definition on this condition. There are many hypotheses about what it might be called, what might be causing it and contributing to it. And so it's been a very frustrating journey, not only for the patients, but also for the providers who provide care to them. And I don't think it's unique to this condition. I think this is the case for any unexplained illness where there really is limited scientific, scientific information about what it is and how best to approach it. Thank you, Laura. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from Barbara Fetter, San Jose Mercury News. Barbara Fetter. Hi there. Just a question for Dr. Selby. You had mentioned earlier that there had been a number of reports with Kaiser or that this was the largest group within the Kaiser system, perhaps in the Northern California division. Can you clarify why you think you have a significant population within Kaiser Northern California? And also, you know, what kinds of numbers you might be looking at? Dr. Joe Selby, what I said was that Kaiser Permanente in Northern California is a very large organization covering 3.4 million people in an area that was that based on reports that the CDC receives and based on information published on the Mortal Lunch Research Foundation website that tell us that Northern California is a very high frequency area for reports of this condition. So all I mean to say was that we're very large. We're representative of the population that lives in this area. We're, we amount to about 30% of this population. And so we're, well, and we have the ability to find the members. Our members how now have the symptoms of the condition. So I just mean to say that we're well positioned. I didn't mean to say that we had information at hand that said that the occurrence of this condition in Kaiser members was particularly high. And we will be finding that out as part of the study. And now I'm sorry, I've forgotten the second part of the second question. Any sense of how many people you might know we really don't? I was just looking at the same map that a previous reporter mentioned that's on the Morgan's Research Foundation website, the number of cases. And you know, if you want to be, I mean, you can't do anything other than be make a crude estimate from that, but a crude estimate would fall somewhere between 150 to 500 cases, I think, under varying circumstances. So that's the broad ballpark that I believe we're operating in, but even that could be, even there I could be wrong. Barbara Fetter, as a follow-up question, what size of a sample is appropriate for your study. I mean, would you get to the point where if you felt like you did not have enough patients in your 18-month sample that you would open it up or try to recruit patients by some other means? Dr. Joe Selby, no, we will do, we're not going to sample. We're going to take everybody. And so in a technical sense, it isn't a sample. We're quite confident it will be big enough for these. This is a descriptive study. So there are not yet hypotheses here to be tested. We are collecting data across a whole range of possible explanations. And for this, even that range, anywhere in that range that I mentioned would be reasonable. We would consider that reasonable from this first study. So no, we do not anticipate any circumstances under which we'd have to go outside this membership. We will do the study here and we will report what we find. Thank you. Next question, please, Laura. Thank you. Our next question is from Larry Burns with Ken's TV. Deborah Knapp. It's actually Deborah Knapp with Ken's TV. And my question is, you talked about the hotspots. Is South Texas one of the hotspots for this condition? 
Dr. Michelle Pearson. I don't actually have the Mortalons map in front of me, but Texas of the states within the United States, California, Texas, and Florida seem to be the areas where most of the self-reported cases have originated. Thank you. And Laura, we have time for two more questions. Thank you. Our next question comes from Daria Fletcher, KCBS. Ms. Fletcher, your line is open. Please check your meat feature if you're, or lift your handset. Stacy Butler. Hi, it's Stacy Butler from KCBS. Let's face it, this is a creepy sounding disease. There's a lot of people out there that are concerned about this. What is your message today to a worried public? Dr. Michelle Pierce. Stacy Butler from KCBS. Let's face it, this is a creepy sounding disease. There's a lot of people out there that are concerned about this. What is your message today to a worried public? Dr. Michelle Pearson. Our message is simply that we are aware that several people are suffering from this condition. Several people? I thought it was some tens of thousands. Several people are suffering from this condition. We don't at this point have any evidence that suggests that this is a communicable illness and that we are launching a systematic and rigorous investigation to learn more about it. Thank you. And last question, please, Laura. Thank you. Our final question comes from Margaret Burbank, CBS News. Margaret Burbank. Hi, I'm actually from ABC, but most of my questions are answered. I guess my only question is in the press release, it says that there's $338,000 that Kaiser is going to have. Is that the total amount of funding you have? And if so, if you're going to be taking everybody who comes to you, how feasible is it that you're going to be able to do a thorough study on all of them and possibly even take samples from them and everything you need to get a good view of what's going on, Dr. Joe Selby. Well, we worked through the budget under those sample-sized estimates that I mentioned, and that's the figure that we came up with and that we signed a contract with CDC to conduct. Now, I should say, and Dr. Pearson can add to this, that not all of the costs of the study by a long shot are included in the money that came to Kaiser. So there's additional money being spent on this study by the CDC, at the CDC, at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, and probably elsewhere, that pay for some of these sophisticated analyses, the skin biopsies and some of that analysis of the foreign material, for example. So that may help to explain why we're able to do it. Dr. Michelle Pearson. Dr. Selby is correct. The $338,000 is a portion of monies that CDC has available in fiscal year 2007 to address this condition. In total, we have $545,000. And in terms of the question about whether this is enough to take everybody, I think it's important and I want to reiterate this investigation is going to be confined to the members of the Kaiser Permanente Northern California Health Plan. That is not everybody in the United States or even everybody in the state of California. We believe that this is, that based on our best estimates, a reasonable approach and a good place to start and a good start. David Dale. Thank you, Dr. Pearson, and thank you, Dr. Selby. I want to thank also the reporters who took time to join us today, and you as well, Laura. Thank you. This does conclude today's conference call. We thank you for your participation, and you may now disconnect your lines. What I can't, there's so many things I cannot believe about this conference call slash press briefing announcing the study of Morgulons. What the fuck? There are so many what the fucks. But the number one what the fuck is why no one asked the question, why is the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology partnering on this study of Morgulons? What do the Armed Forces and the Pentagon have to do with Morgulons? Not even on COVID have the CDC and Armed Forces partnered in an investigation. In fact, there's been... Apparently, no investigation whatsoever about COVID, even though it's the most suspicious fucking shit on earth and definitely is a bioweapon. But the only other time that the Armed Forces of Pseudopathology and the CDC partnered together on a study was in 2001 with the anthrax 
mailings. Yes, bioterrorism. So that would have been a question I would have liked to have heard answered. And I think I will look into doing a Freedom of Information Act request on the Armed Forces and the CDC to learn more about what this cross-agency interdisciplinary year-long or more of prep for this rigorous scientific survey monkey they did on 12 people in Oakland, California for medical records of a private company with a huge conflict of interest that would prevent them from being an unbiased participant in this investigation of the people that they misdiagnosed with delusional parasitosis and now have opened themselves up to liability and litigation for doing so if they had found that it was a real disease, but no, no, cotton. Of course, our samples may have been contaminated, but what we found was cellulose and therefore cotton. Hmm. Cellulose is part of plants, so how could a clinician take an embedded fiber from someone's skin and then be satisfied with the answer that that it's just cotton growing in a person's skin. No big deal. Um, no, that's not normal. If it is cotton, if it is a plant, shouldn't be growing in my skin causing lesions. You know? Just saying. Anyway, um, that doesn't mean that there will never be a rigorous scientific objective study into morgulons. It just means that there has been very little study of morgulons. And what is needed is a global effort supported by reputable institutions. Oh, wait a minute. There are no more reputable institutions or scientific experts who we trust. Well, there's maybe a few here and there. Maybe you trust, if you're lucky, your own doctor. I certainly don't trust um, a doctor with my morgulons because the few doctors that I've, you know, seen since I got morgulons seemed to treat me like I was crazy and I didn't even mention my morgulons. That's just called being a woman in the doctor's office. I hate this disease. I hate the shitty work done by the CDC. And that's at best. At worst, it's a cover-up. At best, it is shoddy, shitty, compromised, unscientific research that's unreliable. So... All I know is that I don't have a mental disorder called morgulons. I have a physical disorder called morgulons, and it causes lesions that form weird crusts and have weird objects in them and that cause pitted scars and that um, is associated, highly associated with unusual objects in and on my skin and in my environment that are absolutely motherfucking bizarre and anyone who had to wake up one day and find themselves with this disease would be appalled and aghast as I was when I contracted this and had to reformulate my previous opinion and belief about what Morgulon's disease was. I thought it was delusional parasitosis before I got it was convinced. The CDC study, I trusted the CDC. I just, you know, skimmed the abstract and was like, yep, okay, well, they looked at it and it's definitely mental. (laughs) So a lot of people have been fooled by that. 
and I don't know what the critical mass number is for Morgulans to reach. Does it have to become, you know, 110,000 cases a day in America? Uh, like what the New York Times says we're getting per day about of COVID cases here, which is probably, I don't know, an eighth or a tenth of what the true number is. I sure hope not, because y'all don't want this. Hang in there if you do have it, and thanks for listening. Stay tuned.